The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rob. He's Ryan. So where do you want to start? This week was... What's the word I'm looking for? Familiar? Eerily similar to things we we watched last year in the sense that the Leafs go out against the Winnipeg Jets, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and look dominant, look like they're up for the game, look like they're ready to go. And then on Saturday night, go into Montreal, and not so much. And I think there were things... I feel like you have some takes you want to lay down today because you were pretty vocal in the text thread last night about what you were watching. I actually thought they didn't play well against the Jets at all. I thought their goaltender completely won that game for them. I thought they came out. I thought they got dominated all night. They capitalized on their chances. But I just, when they lose in Montreal like that, it just really, like, I I don't want to get, I don't want to be negative town guy, but um, I just, it's just, it makes you question everything. It just makes you be like, is this team, I, I know they just have a good regular season after good regular season and they're, and they're a good hockey team. They, they dominated like the ozone possession. They, they got a lot of shots on net, but it's just when they lose a game like that against a team that is clearly in the sweepstakes for a high pick in the draft and who, who their best goal scorer is not playing and they have seven or eight guys injured and, and in Montreal can rally like that and, and win a game on Saturday night, like a big game. They just lose another big game in heartbreaking fashion. And it's just, I, I don't want to get too negative. I know they're a good hockey team, but I, I just, games like that just really make me question if this group is any better than groups previously. And, and can they, like, I just don't know if they can get it done. And last night, even though it really means nothing, it's just a regular season hockey game. It just makes you think like they just can't, they can't win the big game. You know, that that was, that was a big game last night in Montreal. They have, they haven't won in that building in a long time. And it was their chance to just, just beat up on a team that they're better than. And and other than the first period, they just got overwhelmed by a bunch of nobodies. Is it? We've heard a lot about killer instinct over the years, specifically from Brendan Shanahan. Is that, is that what, what you're, what you're not seeing? Cause to me, we talked about the game last weekend in Boston and how, they were in it all night, but again, they just can't. It's like a boxer, and you're looking to land that final, like, kind of blow to win the fight, and they just they just can't land that kill shot, for lack of a better term. And last night, it's the same sort of thing. It's like they're they're just out there kind of going through the motions. To your point, they don't look good. They're just getting overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, they're getting, like, they're getting... They, one of the worst teams in the NHL is just completely dominating you on the four check and is playing more physical and playing with more there's, urgency. But there's, and, there's that word. And, and I think, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the future of Kyle Dubas in the last, like 
seven episodes of this podcast. It's come up with any any of the guests we've had on in conversation between you and me. And should they resign him? What should happen? Are they doing the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I've been vocal. Like, I think he deserves an extension. But then, like, you watch the game against Montreal and you brought up the word physical. And that is something that Kyle Dubas's teams have always lacked in their personality. And it's something, there's a group of people who will just argue with you on this and, and, oh, here we go again, the, co- the physicality and the grit uh, conversation coming up again. But the proof is in the pudding. When the opponent ratchets up the physicality and the intensity, I've said it about this group forever. They have a style in which they'd like, they like to play the game. And if you prevent them from playing that style, open space, puck movement, creating, they have a very, very difficult time adjusting. And that's what I see with the Habs. The Habs are just like, we're just going to outskate you, outwork you, outhit you, and we're not going to give you any time and space to create anything. And you're not going to have an answer for it. I just, I feel like I've, I remember asking this question last year when they lost to the Sabres or the Habs. Like if they played the Habs at a seven game series, like, could they beat them? Like, I, I don't know. Well, I think, I think it's a good question. And I think if they play the way in which they're capable, which we've seen for the bulk of this year, then I think the answer is yes, they could. I think this team still is so fragile up here that like I was just saying, if the opponent dictates the pace of play and ratchets up the intensity, it's like they're, you can see it. It's like they're trying to keep up and try to like, okay, we need to get, it's like you have, um, you, you've got, you've got a bunch of things on, on your desk and it's mess and someone comes along and messes up your collection of pick, pick something. So your, your desk is organized. Yes. You got your papers yes. here. Your, and someone your comes along and messes it up and, you're just trying to get it all back into, but that person is standing there messing up your your situation. And that's them. They're just like, no, we need things to be exactly the way we need them so we can have success. And then the opponent is just like, nope, 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 nope. And then they spend all night playing catch up and trying to get their desk organized again. This is just such a really weird analogy, but it was just the best thing I could come up with in the moment. It is early on a Sunday morning. It is early on a Sunday. I, I just, I think this team, like, I think in the future, someone needs to do like a case study on this group. Like they, they are just one of the most unique groups in sports. Like how can you just be one of the best regular season teams and have so much talent and, and the ability to score goals, but just every year you go to the last game and you lose, or you just, you just can't win a big game. Like it's just, and anyone can look at me and, and throw all the stats at me about how good this team is and how I'm overreacting. And they're probably right. But at the end of the day, they just can't win the big game. I'll tell I it's what it's, I just it's said. It's shocking. Ryan, it's what I just said. It's all up here, man. Like it's all up here. Like you can see it on them. They like, they're so this is why when we talked weeks ago about who'd you rather play in the first round, I picked Tampa because I don't know if this team is mentally tough enough to go into TD garden and win a few hockey games. Cause they get, they just get rattled so quickly 
so easily when things don't go their way. And that is like, it's like a form of PTSD from everything that's happened to them over the last five, six years. This may be like a serious hot take. And a lot of people think I'm going to be an idiot for saying this, but oh, here it comes. I, I think you could put the Leafs up against any team in the first round. I, I, it could be Boston, Tampa, Montreal, and any team. And I think that they are going to still struggle. Like, I still think that it would be a tough series that would go seven games. Like, I don't think, I don't think the opponent matters. I just think when the, like what you're saying, when the moment gets too big for this hockey team, like, I, I don't know if you, if you look at every team that's going to make the playoffs, if the Leafs played any of them, I don't think the result or, or the way the series would go would change at all. Okay. Well, here, can I play devil's advocate then? Go ahead. Ryan, this is the third place team in the National Hockey League. They've they've had an amazing season. They've won a bunch of big games. Because there's somebody who's listening to you say that, that is screaming into their phone or whatever, or their laptop watching at, at that take. I, and, but, I, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just, I'm, if anything, I'm adding to your point that they're, they're so confounding. Like, they, they, yeah. they're so... They do well, and they're a good hockey team, but there's moments that you look at them, and, and the seed of doubt gets planted in your mind, and the Montreal game is, was exactly that. I just, I, and I, I get those people, and I kind of, I, like, I do feel almost dumb saying something like that, but just, how could you ignore the history? Like, they just, they, had, they did play Columbus, they did play Montreal in the playoffs, and they still couldn't get it done. Like, it's just, I don't think it really matters who they play. They're, they're a good enough team to make it a great series. But in the end, it just comes down to a big moment with this group that they just can't, they can't push through it. I don't think it matters which team they're playing. I just think that when, it, when that time comes, they just can't get it done. And then I know like this, I know they might win the next eight games in a row and we come on here and be like, wow, this team looks amazing. But you know, but your point is well made. It's that when, when the pressure is at its highest, do you think this team can succeed and pull through? And I'm telling you that it is, it's the glass ceiling. And I think if they can break through it, they'll be fine. Yeah. But I think they, ju they just got to break through it. You, they have to. You keep saying, you said every week, this, they have to win. They have to win around. They have to win around. I'm totally, and, and again, this is the, the argument against, um, giving Kyle Dubas an extension. It's let's, let's actually do this. Let's actually see if the team he's put together can accomplish the, the ultimate goal when it matters most. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, it's just flat. Like it's just, uh, I don't want to get too down, but it's you just, seem you seem pretty dejected today. Yeah, it's I don't know. I just don't know if this, I don't just don't know if they can get it done. Like I want them to get it done so bad, but it's just, you can't win a big like hockey day in Canada game against a crap hockey team that's injured. Like you get overwhelmed. Like it's just it was very annoying watching that hockey game. I was very frustrated. You're very you seem very quite yeah. dejected. I, I just today. I I'm I'm I took a turn to negative town. I just I don't know if this this team I don't know if they can get it done. I think that goes to show how fragile your psyche is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're know. you're traumatized as well. 
from. I think we all are. And I think that's why we react that this way to a loss like that. And I just, I want this group to succeed so bad, as I've said all season, but it's just, I don't know if they can do it. Well, the issue is, I think if they went out there and they had just, they played well, but some bounces didn't go their way or whatever, that'd be one thing. But I think once again, it's an example of an opponent who knows how to dial up the physicality and the intensity and the Leafs just not having a response. And I think that is what is so dejecting. Yeah. Against like a team that, and it's just <laughs> like, I know, we're going in circles here. I'm but just, it's, yeah. yeah. We're going in circles here, but it's like, it's yeah, it is. It is what it is. Um, It's I'll get over it. It's just, I, I, I don't know if I fully, like I thought I could, I just a game like that just reminds you that I don't know if I have the belief in this group that other people have. So I think it's pretty apparent that they need to make a deal here. Like it, like they have to, they need a shot in the arm. I still would like to see them uh, add to their top six if possible. I'm seeing uh, like you're still seeing names like Brock Besser out there. I saw Timo Meyer the other day um, as, as a guy of possible option. And it led me to believe like, or led me to think, they're going to have to give something up. I know it's Matthew Nice, and like what these teams are really after is a high-end prospect and probably some draft capital. But I also think if you're Kyle Dubas, like it's been reported up, down, and sideways that he does not want to give up Matthew Nice. So you're going to have to give up someone off the uh, active roster that is is a good piece. Like, so we can't sit here and say, oh, let's, let's move Alex Kerfoot. Like, Nobody's taking that, okay? No offense, Alex Kerfoot, but it's not happening. Would you move Rasmus Sandin? For, for team? No. No, I I'm not, not for Timo, Timo Meyer. just in general. Like, if you're going to bring in a guy, like, if you're going to bring in a guy that you feel really good about on that left wing with Tavares and Marner, and you, you have to give up someone on your team that's like a... a not a core piece, but like a like, like a younger guy with upside. If it's a rental, then no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't give up anyone with any sort of term for for a rental. I'm sorry, I just I wouldn't. I I, I don't know. I just I think they're in a tough spot, man. I don't I don't. They don't really anything you trade from the roster is going to just take away. Like it's like yeah, you might be trading a guy to get a good top six forward, but now you just traded away a. A good defenseman. Now I got to watch Jordy Ben play more hockey, you know? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to watch that. Like, I love how we've all come back down to earth on Jordy Ben. Yeah, like, I don't want to watch ben Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben into the lineup in November, and we were like, Jordy Ben! Yeah. Where'd he come from? Look at him. And now you're just like, oh, Jordy Ben. Like, you're just, like, maybe if you could, like, the only scenario I can somewhat think of is you look at a guy who's a UFA after this season, a guy who's basically an own rental right now, and you move him for another rental, essentially. Like you're just trading a, a a a good player on your team for a potentially better player down the stretch. That's why I think their their chip that they have that's an active player. That's why I go to Rasmus Sandin. If you look at it, because he's on a really good contract that has another deal on it next year, and he's an RFA after that. So I think that would entice a team to potentially say yes if you wanted to include him 
as part of a deal to bring somebody in here. Because, yeah. like, if you look up and down there, like, there's nobody who, aside, unless you want to trade one of the big boys, which they're not doing, there's nobody that's going to fetch back the type of piece that you want, except for Sandine and possibly Lilligren. But I don't want to trade Timothy Lilligren. I think it comes down to either one of those two going out the door potentially to bring somebody back. And if you're telling me I have to pick one, I'd pick Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. I mean, looking, they do have, like, everyone's pretty much up after this season. So, like, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I think they're screwed. I don't think they're going to trade anyone from the roster. I, I Like, I get what you're saying. I get your theory. Like, some you got to give something up on your roster to get something. But I just, I think it's just up to this group to get it done. Like, I mean, you can try and add somebody, but, like, I think the way Kyle's just kind of made this team and and how he's just believes in this group. Like, yeah, you can, I don't think he's going to trade anyone who's a big piece off his roster. He's not going to trade Matthew Nyes. So he's going to have to get creative and do something. And to me, it's just like this, it's up to these top four players I'm looking at right now to, to get this done. If you're him and you believe your job is at stake, because we don't know what kind of conversations go on in the background. Like for, for all we know, there could be an extension in place. They're just waiting to make it a formality at some point. But if not, and you're him, and, like, for all intents and purposes, you're done if you don't win a playoff round, wouldn't you consider trading Matthew Nice? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Do, like they do Alex Anthopoulos. Yeah, yeah just, just push all your chips into the middle Yeah, and just say... Uh, we have to win. We have to win. Yeah, my a job round. depends on it. My job depends on us winning a round. So if we don't win a round, I'm not going to be here to see Matthew and I's. So Yeah, I think you should. I, I honestly believe if I if I were him and I knew that my job was on the line, I would trade Matthew Nice. And, and I'm not I'm not advocating for that because I I don't know. I'm I'm still one of those guys. I know there's people who are probably listening to me going, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? But I just, I don't want to, like, as you said, like a lot of their deals are up in the next couple of years. And I don't know, like, you don't want the cupboard to be totally bare. He's their only nice <laughs> snack in the cupboard. Well, really. They've got some other, they've got some other guys other young guys that they've drafted recently, but he's the one, like when you hear like Friedman or something report on potential trade talks, Matthew Nyes is always the guy that the other team is asking for. So that, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. I'm just looking at like, to me, like we've been talking about this for weeks now. I, I honestly believe that Kyle Dubas should be fired if they don't win in the first round. I, I am a full believer in that. And that's because like all these guys deals are coming up. Like we all know that Matthews is coming up and Nylander's coming up. And I just don't, I don't want Kyle to be in charge of signing those new contracts. I don't like, I just, he already did this whole round of contracts. It didn't work. So like, I, I honestly believe that if they don't make it, then it he should be worked. fired. It hasn't worked yet. <laughs> it's like, we're go like, what is this? This We're going on year I mean, I know <laughs> I, and I'm not somebody sitting here. Like I, I, I like Kyle Dubas. I am not one of his like disciples who will, I like him too. Who will come for your jugular if you criticize him at all. But like I said, the only thing about letting go of Kyle Dubas, I'm petrified of who they're bringing in next. 
we're just going to go get another member of the old boys club? Maybe they need that. Yeah, like, what do we do? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't necessarily, that's a, I don't think that's necessarily like a, a bad thing. Like, we're going to go get like, I don't know, like pick somebody. Like, I don't want to disparage anybody. I know but like, Jimmy Rutherford's just dying to ditch Vancouver. Cooper, yeah, <laughs> but like, like someone of that era, like one of the old boys to come in yeah. here. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't love it, man. I don't love it. I told you last week, if you could guarantee me that, you could get Julian Breezebois to leave Tampa or Steve Eiserman to leave the wings. Okay, I'll talk. But outside of that, they need to find... Basically, they have, like... Brendan Shanahan should be their general manager. You look at the most successful general managers over the past couple of years. Steve Eiserman, who played in that era, and Joe Sackick, who also played in that era. Jenny? So you need to find a, a captain style guy who played in the 90s early 2000s yeah. to be your general manager shanny uh, shanny clearly doesn't want it i think shanny is more involved in the day-to-day -day of the hockey team than he lets on but he clearly i don't think he wants to do it no i think he's more than happy sitting in his big office planning the next uh mlse season ticket holder event i i, I think what i i do think matthew nice is getting overhyped for sure like well, it's i because it's because it's he's a maple leafs prospect well, here's yeah because the problem with Maple Leafs prospects is when the Leafs have a need and they have a prospect who could potentially fill that need, then the expectation on that prospect to step in and fill that need immediately is way through the roof. Well, we heard Dave Bastel on our show the other day said that he he believes Nice could step in and yeah, be I think, impactful. And I and you know who kind of leads that narrative on is the guys who who cover the team, yep. like the guys who actually scout Matthew Nyes and say that this guy's like really legit. But at the end of the day, he's just, he plays, he plays college hockey, man. Like you don't know. I know he's a big guy and he's physical, which gets Leaf fans really excited. But what if he comes up and he can't fill in a top six role and he's just a fourth third liner. Like you don't know that for sure. Like remember when, remember when Jimmy VC was like <laughs> oh, a yeah. prospect and like people had him plug, like that's when the year that Stamkos was coming to the Leafs and they had Stamkos plugged in in the top center position. Then they had Jimmy VC on the second line. Like, and like, look what that guy turned out to be, you know, like and there are, there has been successful college players. Look at Kale McCarr. The guy's absolutely ridiculous, but it's just, maybe he can't fill the need. So to me, it's just like, I don't want to trade him because I think having a guy come in and play on the cheap who could potentially fill a role like that. Like you have to take a chance on that. But if you're back to what we said before, if you're Kyle, like what, what's it to you? Like, look what Alex Anthopoulos did, even though when those prospects that Anthopoulos traded ended up being nothing, but at the time, like those were their top prospects and he went screw it. And look what the run they well, went on. The it thing. worked out. That's, that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised if the closer we get to the trade deadline and it'll tell if he doesn't move Matthew Nice, then I think it's very telling about the discussions that are going on behind closed doors. Or maybe, listen, maybe Shanny, because we have not heard anyone questioning Brendan Shanahan. For for all we know, Brendan Shanahan is not on the hot seat. Okay. Like he'll be the one handling Kyle Dubas's dismissal if it comes to that. So maybe Brendan Shanahan is the one sitting there going, no, no, we're not moving this kid. Sorry. Like, like we're not. I'm still going to be here and we need to make sure the cupboard is not, it's not, not that it's a bear. It's just like, we don't want to take our uh, most hyped prospect off the table. So no, I'm not letting you move Matthew nice. 
And they've been very vocal after every playoff loss. We believe in this group. We're going down with the ship. Like, you, yesterday on Hockey Day in Canada, we saw the Calgary Flames put on a clinic of how to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. What did you see when you watched that? I saw a team that just said, F it, we're just going to get under this team's skin and be physical and be tough. It, it's very easy to get under Nikita Kucherov's skin. I, I've seen it when the Leafs play them, and especially when the Calgary play them. You got Milan Lucic, the one-punch king on the ice, going around intimidating everybody, and like the whole team buys in with that. I saw a perfect formula of how you can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're, they're, yeah, they're kind of a nasty, they're nastier. They're a nasty team when you compare them to the Leafs, but when you put them up against a, a team that could be nastier, you could just see it. You get under their top player's skin and look what happened. And they even got under the goalie skin. And this is a man. This is, I can't believe we're back talking about this, but until they went around, we're just going to go in the same circle. The Leafs as currently constructed and the style with which they play and the way they want to play is that conducive to success in the playoffs. I believe it is if if you play the way defensively, the structured defensive game that they had in November. I think it's not in their DNA. They're never going to be a team that goes out there and gets under, aside from Mike Bunning, no one else is going out there and getting under somebody's skin. Anytime there's rough stuff after the whistle, it's it's all of them except for Michael Bunning and Wayne Simmons if he's playing are like, get me out of this. I don't want to be in there. So that is what it is. Like that's spilt milk at this point. That's That's not changing. So how do you then take this group into the playoffs and win a series? Well... You play the way they played in November and early December. You play a structured defensive game where you give nothing up and like protect your goaltender, keep everything to the outside, everybody bought in, everybody coming back, nobody cheating for offense. Like um, when you're in the offensive zone, efficient with the puck, none of this like silly pass it 50 times in the offensive zone, do a little between the legs, twirl around, none of that. Just structured defensive, structured offensive play. We saw them in November play this way, and I think that's that's what they need. That's what this group needs to do to have success. And I think in the last couple of weeks, I feel like they've really gotten away from that. They're giving up way more chances. Like the middle of the ice in their zone is always open. How many times a game does the opposing team get like a primo scoring chance right in front of the goalie? All like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no. And and it's just like you, you, you look at their two, like look at the Leafs roster compared to the Lightning's roster. Like the Leafs are constructed where their top four forwards have to be better than the other team's well, that, top four that, forwards okay. because the Tampa Bay Lightning have a better roster than the Leafs overall. Like, they have better guys from top to bottom. But the Leafs are constructed where their top four guys need to be, like, for them to win, they got to be the best top four guys on the ice. And when that doesn't work, you you go down the list, you go down the list of both rosters. Like, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a better, have more depth and better forward group all around than the Leafs do. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like talking about this. I don't. 
and I don't like going here. But you've got the Leafs cap friendly open in front of you. There's there's one contract on there in particular that's that's awful, and it's killing them. It's killing them. Five on five. He's been. It's it's that line has been a non. I I actually feel kind of feel bad for Marner now because now Marner's production is tailing. Even though he's and, he's a point of game player, but like he he could his production could be more if he was playing with a centerman who could keep up with him. And again, like take the emotion out of it, which is really hard for a lot of people to do. And it's even harder, like, it's hard for us sometimes It's hard well. for us to do. He's not an $11 million hockey player. He's not. He's a, he's a $5 million hockey player at best. Hey, I, I, he should be making, like, 5 to $6 million. Like, the way, like, the, the only thing he's got going for him is he can still put the biscuit in the basket overall. Below the hash marks, yes. When, when the season... He's still, uh, he's still elite. When the game slows down below the hash marks in the offensive zone, he's still elite. Everywhere else on the ice, he can't keep up. No, no. Five on five, he's been, like, he's a he's a third-line center on most, like, most nights. Like, it's just, it's tough, man. This, this... It's a, it's dude, it's killing them. Like you can make comment all, all the comments you want about the quote unquote big four, Uh, like three of those four, you could make the argument this year that William Nylander is underpaid. Yeah. Yeah. You could make the, the argument this year that William Nylander's played like eight or or $9 million hockey player. Yeah. And Matthews is Matthews and Marner is Marner. And it's John Tavares is just not an $11 million hockey player. He's just not. And no, it's, not. it's again, I, I hate this. This is such a hindsight 2020 thing because we were all excited and we all, if we were in Kyle Dubas's shoes would have done exactly what he did and bring, uh, bringing Tavares in. But like you talked about Patrice Bergeron last week and like, he's older than John Tavares. He's a few years older than John Tavares. And he's, he looks like he's 10 years younger. Yeah. He still plays in a very effective game and, and I know, like, I, I again, you can go and look at Tavares' stats. At the end of every year, he does he does always have good production numbers. He's There's not no imp- doubt. And but everyone says that. I know, and I, know. I and I agree. But he's not an eleven million know. dollar that's hockey the, player. That's the annoying part. It's like my argument earlier, where I just don't think this team's gonna get it done. Someone's gonna throw a stat in your face where you're like, okay, like I get it. They're like a good team. It's the same thing with Tavares. It's it's you you watch him and it's like they need more out of this guy if he's taking up 13% of your cap but someone's going to throw some point of game stat in your face I know, and, and it's again, like yeah you're right it's fair like he Ryan there's production lots, is important but there's lots of point of game players like in the league Zach that Hyman aren't getting has, paid 11 million dollars Zach Hyman has 24 goals right now for the Edmonton Oilers and I know he plays with McDavid and he plays on that team with two dynamic players but like, there's a lot of... You, go look at the top goal scorers in the NHL right now. There's a lot of new faces up there. Guys not even close to making that money. There's a lot of guys in the league who are point-per-game players and are, like, high-impact players in this in this league that don't... that aren't being paid $11 million. Yeah, they're getting paid half of that, and then the other half is going to another guy who's also giving you good production. So, like... <laughs> 
you know? So it's, I mean, that that's kind of my case of why Dubas should be fired at the end of the season. Like, this is the, all these contracts on here, like, like he signed Matt, like Matthews is Matthews, but he signed Tavares to this contract. He traded, but that's he the, traded Nazem Kadri for Alexander is, Kerfoot. But we always knew we were you and I, man. It's been a while since you and I got on the bus to Negative Town, and we are in. We are the mayors of Negative Town today. That's what that loss did to me, though. But this is, we always knew that these years of the Tavares deal weren't going to be good. But they believed that that's okay because the first three years of the deal were going to be contending for cups. And yes, we had a pandemic. The cap didn't go up. That is one um, That is one bit of slack that I will always cut this organization is they had a plan for the cap to go up, and it never did. Now, every other team in the league is also in that same boat. But, yeah, like, we always knew that these years of the Tavares deal, he wasn't going to be an $11 million player. And we're that's okay, though, because we're going to get the first three years. We're going to get, we're, we're going to get, we're going to be contending for cups. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. One more thing. Yeah. Where's Pontus? I think he's hurt. No, they he sent hurt? him down. Oh, they sent him down. I thought he was hurt. No, I don't know. Maybe I like I've I usually I'm on top of my leaf reporting, but it's I haven't seen Pontus. He got sent down. Where's Pontus? I'm sick of seeing Alex Kerfoot center the fourth line. That guy sucks. That 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 guy is like I'm so done. I'm so done yeah, watching no, him back with the, He's back with the Marlies. But what's going on here? I don't know. You like Bobby McMahon that much? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I like Bobby McMahon. I think Bobby McMahon's a good hockey player. I'm tired of watching Alex Kerfoot along with you. They, like, just never seen a guy. That's, I, this will always be my take on Alex Kerfoot. Never seen a guy skate harder and work harder to achieve absolutely nothing in my life. Well, we're lucky because this is his last year. Oh, well, so. See you, Alex. And we'll see what happens to Pierre Engvall, too. Oh, that's another thing, man. Like, it's, you talked about it with Kevin Mickey a few weeks ago, how, like, on paper, Pierre Engvall should be their their second-line left winger. Probably six foot five, 214 pounds. And, and all, all accounts is, uh, from anyone who's seen him with his shirt off, is that he's absolutely shredded. Yeah. But he plays like he's 5'9". He plays like he's Dennis Malgan's size. Denny Malgan. Ugh. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. This was, this was, uh, out of here. We might lose some subscribers. Yeah, yeah, this, was, this, this, was, this was a trip to negative town. For the record, the world is not ending. No, I this love is this still hockey. Still a team. really good hockey team. I think they have issues with their psyche. And I think we as a fan base have issues with our psyche yeah. when we see certain things like what happened in Montreal and just going, and even in Boston last weekend where it's just like, this team just needs to land that kill shot. Like, But the Boston one stung less because it's like, hey, that team, like look at their gold, they get their plus 77 goal differential. Like they're just playing at having the greatest regular season of all time, potentially. Like when you go and lose against garbage team full of injuries and get overwhelmed like that is no no yeah we got to get out of here do that this this episode went off the rails when i went on some weird analogy about a messy desk 
<laughs> you had to you had to jump in and yeah, save me yeah. there and be like, I don't know that, where you're going with that, this, pal. That's okay. It's early I've Sunday heard worse. morning. I've heard worse. Early Sunday morning, and as you can see, I wasn't quite finished my coffee, so I apologize no. for that. Thanks so much, everybody, for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.